Today I want to talk about heaven flooding earth, basically what they were talking about, let there be light in, in, in the music they were singing, and, and, and what it looks like for heaven to flood earth through us, what it looked like in Jesus' life as an example for us, and really um, establishing the culture of heaven in the world. And culture is a, it's a word I don't use a lot, it's kind of like a, it's kind of almost become Christianese. Yeah. It's such a catchphrase, man. You know what I mean? And um, but the reality of the the controversy of Jesus walking around and receiving so much heat everywhere he went was in large part due to the fact that he came to establish culture. He picked out like he had all these disciples and followers, but he had twelve of them that were like his intimate crew, you know. And the number twelve is like the number of the government, the culture. Of the day, it was it was the culture of the twelve tribes of Israel. It was as if he was coming to reset the nation, as a new as as if he was some sort of like king of Israel showing up, reestablishing his government. And so it was it was, it was quite um, controversial. And, and and he even called his disciples or those twelve. He called them apostles. You know, the sent ones, those who were sent, like a, a name borrowed from the Greeks that was actually an ambassador of the country sent somewhere else in order to establish Roman culture in other places. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so he picks his 12 guys and he actually calls them, you know, the apostles. The, like they are, they were literally the ones who were sent to establish culture. And so needless to say, he certainly stirred the pot, but the culture he came to represent had nothing to do necessarily with the Jewish tradition. It had to do with the culture of heaven invading the earth. And if we can see that in his life, everything that he was doing was implementing something on earth as it was in heaven. All of the reversals, whether it was reversing death, which we'll look at today, reversing sicknesses and diseases, um, even the judgments people were supposed to be stoned or stepped into, he would come and reverse those things as if his culture, his authority was higher than the law of the land or even the religious law that he walked around amongst. You know what I'm saying? And so when we talk about culture, I'm like, um, when it, I'm not talking about church culture. I'm talking about the kingdom culture, which comes and implements through the church. And, and even, golly, if you knew me, and, and if people that knew me from the past, people in Florida, people that I grew up with, are often shocked to hear that I do what I do now. Because I don't have that flavor, and I never did. It was just the the very uh, much of what's known as like church culture feels so very foreign to me, even now. And, and it always did. You know, I never took a took a liking to it. I don't listen to you know contemporary Christian music. So there's a big. I'm coming out of the closet today <laughs> with that. I'm coming out. You know what I mean? And, and but I, I never have. You know, and it's not against it. It's just not something I've ever really liked. You know, and um, um, I've sometimes felt so different, even in the job that I do as a pastor, that I that I've that it's like I don't I feel like there might be like is there something wrong with me? You know what I'm saying? I'm not like any other the pastors that I'm that I'm used to meeting. That 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 Christianese or that that culture of that vibe. It's like I don't I haven't seen anybody like myself. You know, and I remember telling Nicole like, golly, are we not? are we not Christian enough? You know what I mean? You know, several years back, but it's like, I know that we are the most wholehearted, devoted followers of the Lord. 
You know what I mean? And so I know that that's not a real thing. I'm, I'm making light of it a little bit, but it's just like I, I, don't, I don't float in that stream very well. It's so, it's so contrary to us. And, and so I'm not talking about, you know, church culture, and I'm not talking about comparing yourselves, because I definitely don't. I don't, I, don't, I don't dress cool like a lot of the ministers or, or talk like them. Um, I talk the same way when I teach and preach as, as I do when I'm having a conversation. You know, I don't kick into a voice or like a, I don't shout at people. You know what I'm saying? It's like all these things. It's like even when I hear messages or see stuff, it's like, oh, this sounds like it sounds like a whole nother ball game to me. It's like a whole nother sport to me. It's like I'm not even playing the same sport. Do I need to, do I need to conform to that sport? Like, no, 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 you know. You know, I, I listen to reggae. You know what I'm saying? That's like predominantly what I listen to. So that's another out-of-the-closet uh, thing. And I listen to the Hoff. I listen to Alan's instrumental stuff that he plays, and I listen to recordings of, that they've done. If, you've, if you were here for the night where they recorded a bunch of their songs, yeah, it blew a bunch of people's heads off that weren't not expecting a church group to sound that dope. Um, but I do love the Lord, and I love his people, and I, I love the reality of what church is called to be, you know. And um, what we truly are called to be, not the culture of what it's, it's kind of portrayed as, but the reality of, of, of the beacon of light of the embassies of heaven on the earth that are expanding heaven with the culture of heaven, not the culture of what's contemporary church, you know. And so, um, but, you know, the, the culture of, of, of kingdom life, this place is something that's so authentic and creative and real and powerful with authority. It's, it's flourishing and thriving the kingdom in every sphere of life and um, its life and its health invades every circle that we that we allow it to touch we say let there be light and I think a lot of times even with our own problems that we deal with the key is not let there it's, it's actually let the light in the light the light is the light is the lights there so many times the things we need to gain understanding on or the things we need to have breakthrough on when we're dealing with the issues of the heart or whatever the, the key is actually letting go of the fear of going there and actually letting the light into it, you know. And the kingdom of heaven has been released. It is here, Jesus said, is, it is at hand. It's around us, it's amongst us, and we can, we can let it in. We can let the light in. And the more of that reality that becomes ours, we actually walk with the culture of heaven emanating us, and it touches people. And it touches creatively every sphere of life that we're called to put our hands to. Yeah? This was the walk of Jesus. And so Jesus walked around. Let's do, I want to do Mark 5. And it's cool because I, I was reading this. And, you know, last, last week we, we, did, we did Mark 5 where he goes and he addresses, what do we call him? Clarence? What was his name? Legion. The guy that, the artist formerly known as, as Legion. And so, so Clarence gets free. And, and, and then they come back to the other side of the tracks and we pick up the story after Jesus had crossed back over from freeing this man of the legion and planting a seed into the Decapolis as we know that he comes back and, 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 and goes wild on. It says, as soon as Jesus crossed over and he lands by boat on the other side after he released this man of legion, behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue, so one of, uh, of the chief religious Jewish leaders, Jairus by name, when he saw Jesus, he comes and he falls at his feet, completely yields to him. And he begs him earnestly, saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Please come lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So this man has, has some sort of seed of faith 
that he's concocted this plan or this thought in his mind that if this guy, as the ruler of a Jewish synagogue, who most of them were pretty, not, not too friendly to the Lord, but there was something in his heart that recognized he has what, what I need. He's the only one that can reverse this. And he comes and he, and he completely and fully yields to him. <laughs> There's a good point there. Sometimes fully yielding to the Lord, falling down before him, the sim- symbol of, of, of true worship or yielding is the, the doorway to, to heaven actually being released in our life. So there's this full yield and full submission there to the Lord. And it's like my 12-year-old girl. And if you have kids, you know that that would be heart-wrenching. She's on the door of death. Like, this isn't right. You know. So Jesus, it says, went with him. And a great mul- multitude followed him and thronged him. It actually pressed in about him. It was like a, a mob of people that were swarming around Jesus and the people to where they were, they were like pressing into him, mashing him like a, um, like a Michael Jackson concert. You ever see those videos back in the day, how crazy those would get? Like just, just crazy. People getting thrown over the, the bleachers and the ambulances coming in, nothing? No? So something like that. They were thronging around him, just mashing him, pressing him together as they're trying to follow Jairus. Jesus is walking with this man. And um, there's an interruption in verse 25, it says, A certain woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years and suffered many things from the physicians had spent all of her money, and she was no better. So here Jesus is going to try to heal a 12-year-old girl. We're talking about 12 and this number and this, this 12 disciples with the Lord Jesus, this new implementation of the government which establishes the culture of heaven showing up. So here's Jesus and the 12 going after a 12-year-old girl. And then a lady shows up, unbeknownst to him at the time, who had an issue, who had been bleeding for 12 years. So we, I don't know, we could call this uh, the 12 spot where he was at there. You know, that could be what that was. But she had spent all that she had and was no better at this, you know. And so when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and she said this, if I only can touch the hem of his clothes, maybe I will be made well. And there's a lot of stuff to that, you know, the healing that's under the wings of the Lord in Malachi and, 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 and the, the way that he would wear a prayer shawl that would have like little hymns on the ends of it. You know, most people think that that's, that's there, you know, there's some cool symbolism there. But for some reason, she has this bright idea that if I can touch one of those little things dangling down there, you know, this little hymn on his, on his clothes, that I'll be better. And, and my question is like, where did you get that idea? You know what I mean? Where's that about? You know what I mean? And there's obviously some scriptural stuff there. But in in reality, some, you know, faith is the substance of things that are hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, right? So it's a faith is this, is the substance, the substrate, the foundational groundwork, the, the clearing to pull in that which is hoped for. So by faith, she actually make, creates space to pull in what she's hoping for. Where did that hope come from? Yeah, it came straight out of heaven. So this idea that seemed to be kind of foolish and strange ends up being a, a pretty big deal. She makes room for it and does something that potentially makes her look kind of crazy. Um, but if I can only touch the hem of his glows, it says, obviously she reaches, she I don't know how she dives in to the feet. You know, there's, a, there's throngs of people, like Michael Jackson concert, like I said earlier, but no one, you know, so she's, she's swarming in. Yeah, so she's swarming in there, and she does a dive bomb into, like, dink, and touches 
the hem of his garment. So she didn't touch his skin. She didn't grab a hold of his ankle. You know, she didn't do it with a staff and poke in there. She reached in and touched it with her hand. But immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed completely of this affliction. It's a beautiful thing. And what's even more beautiful about it is Jesus, Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around and said, who touched my clothes? So it's like you can't, you can't really feel somebody touch your clothes. You know what I mean? Unless, unless you're wearing one of those East Texas muscle shirts, the guys like around, you can feel that, you know what I mean? But uh, most, most, you know, a, a cloak and a shawl over it and somebody touches the hem of it, you're not going to touch or feel this, right? But he, he sensed something there. And um, I, I like it, this Mark 5.30, this sentence, who touched my clothes and immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of himself. Looking at this, in the Greek, it's, there's a lot of the commentaries and scholars will make note because the sentence structure there is very unique and it's very choppy and strange the way it's written. But its literal translation would be, Jesus felt the power that always surged around him had passed through him. So it's like Jesus felt the surge of power that emanated and surrounded him actually get drawn out of him. So Jesus, as the ambassador of, the, of heaven itself, was literally walking around and he could actually feel and sense. He, he brought the climate of heaven everywhere he went. Just like he was the Ark of the Covenant, like he was the Ark, the, the, the embodiment of Yahweh himself, which went through the wilderness with a cloud by day and a fire over, that hovered over it over the night. You know, it's like the, the atmosphere of the wilderness when, when, when Israel traveled through it was not the atmosphere of the wilderness. It was the atmosphere of the pillar of fire that floated on top of them at night and the massive cloud that hovered over them during the day. You know what I mean? They were in a different time zone and climate zone than the actual wilderness and if you would have wandered out of their camp which was you know quite large it would have felt differently you know and so jesus is embodying this yahweh embodied the ark himself he's walking around and it's like his circle his there's power there's an atmospheric difference in the energy field, whatever you want to call it, Star Trek, that's around this person, walking around as an ambassador of this other place. And just like Yahweh of old, he would bring people into the wilderness and he would pray over a couple loaves and fish and, and, and somehow they were multiplied. Somehow they were taken from somewhere that was unseen by the eye and fed to people in, in, in this dimension of time and space. And it's like, where does he get these things from? But I'm going to propose that this woman dove in by faith and accessed that realm by touching him. Even just by the Greek sentence structure there, that, that this wasn't his intention. His intention was following Jarius to heal a 12-year-old girl, hopefully. You know what I mean? He's getting so mashed on that he's like, who touched my clothes? And his disciples in the next verse, I think this is hilarious in verse 31, it says like, what do you mean who touched you? It's like, who didn't touch you? Like, we're getting slammed here, man. This is ridiculous. 
what's going on? We should have stayed with Legion, I told you. We should have stayed with the Clarence, man. Why'd you let them tell us to leave? Um, but, you know, it's, it, it, was, it was a mob of people. But he felt something that he had the control and power. People would come to him, and he would release this healing. He would release heaven upon them and say, go and preach, the king, preach and heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the and say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. These things were the culture and the reality of heaven. He's going there intentionally doing these things, and now somebody's done it without even asking. Some, Jerry's like, if you can. It's like, yeah, it's Jerry's faith, and we'll see that. The lady with the daughter, the, the child that was tormented by a demon, we'll see that. It was your faith, you know, that made you. It was the same with this lady. They, they had faith that they brought to the table, and, he re, and, and, and as it was according to your faith, so let it be, is what he told the woman. It's like, but in this scenario, this lady just came. It's like if healing was in the refrigerator, she walked into the house without knocking, opened it, and took, took it, and ate it, and was, and was leaving. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so dad's not like, hey, who just came into the house and ate that? I didn't say you could have a snack. It wasn't that. It was like, whoa, somebody just came in and got some snacks. Whoa, I didn't invite you in. But, but it's not that they weren't invited in, because like, you're welcome. See, we understand these things. When we look at John 150 and 151, when Jesus said this to the disciples, when he said this to Philip and Nathaniel and those guys, and he says, you think it was important, incredible, that I saw you under the fig tree, you know, before, you know, behold an Israelite, you know, that was a couple weeks ago. He says, you're going to see something great. He said, hereafter, that's the King, New King James, hereafter you will see, which means from here on, you will see the angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And he's, it's a direct quote of Genesis 28, when Jacob laid down the true inheritance of Israel, not this big religious system, not the tree of knowledge, rules, and regulations of their religious code. Like the true inheritance of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the sons of God, Israel, prince with God, who wrestles with God, was that they were going to come to a place where the portal of heaven, because that's what it was, a door was a portal of heaven, Jacob's ladder, was going to open up and you will see heaven flooding this matrix, this plastic lesser fallen reality. That was, that was the prophecy to them. That was, that was Israel's namesake. That was their history. That was their lineage. And now Jesus is calling himself that ladder. And Yahweh who's standing on the top of that ladder, or stairway is what it really is, he's calling himself. I, he's like, you're going to see the angels ascending, ascending. You're going to understand hereafter. You think it's important, John 1, 51, that you've seen this word of knowledge or whatever you want to call it, that I've known you somehow. You're going to see people accessing heaven for themselves and bringing it to the earth. Bring heaven's reality to the earth. And guess what? This little girl, this lady with a 12-year issue of blood does a dive bomb through the crowd, at least in my mind. You know, she's, she's swan diving into, into this, just a touch, just to touch the clothes. She gets a piece and, and he knows it. He, 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 it's like, boom, Jacob's ladder just happened. And I didn't initiate it. I'm on my way to do something different. You've actually, you've actually stepped in by faith. You've, had, you've pulled your hopes into this reality by faith. The definition of Hebrews, of faith in Hebrews 13, or 11, sorry. 
Got to correct myself so the Pharisees don't get me on the podcast. You know, like, oh, man, he don't even know which verse. He said 13 instead of 11. Yeah, you got me. But, um, but, but it's, it's one of those things. Um, she dive bombs and touched the hymn. But what she really did, she ran up that stairway and, and got, some, got that healing, that milk out the fridge and drank it without a straw, just drank it straight and rolled out. Like, well, who did that? But it's not a rebuke. Who touched? And looking around to see who had done this thing. So he stops and he's like, who was that? And, and everybody's pushing on, everybody's pushing the top. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. He turns around and he sees this lady. The woman fearing and trembling. <laughs> She's like, oh my gosh, this worked. It's amazing. But then fearing and trembling like, oh, was that okay that I did that? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Oh man, this will this this will smash against that bipolar angry God right here because looking around, see, when we fear and knowing that what happened came to her, she came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth, and he said, and he calls her daughter. This ain't the neighbor's kids running in my house grabbing milk. He doesn't have neighbor's kids; they're all his, you know. This ain't that. This ain't that. This ain't that pesky kid you don't want around. Like, ah, what are you doing in my refrigerator? I told you get out of here. How'd you get my garage door code? You know, how'd you get in here? Um, he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of this infliction, healed of this pain. Go in peace, you've got it. And like, put it in her mind, like, hey, this isn't a one-time thing. You're good. You're straight. Go in peace. Daughter. That's kind of like the, the guy who let down through the roof, like son. Daughter. It's like, dude, you're 31 years old, man. Young dude walking around, ain't married, don't have kids. What are you talking about? Listen, she saw the father's heart for her on that dive bomb. She reached in and, I, and just touched the, you know, and she accessed, she went up the stairs and came back down on her own Christianity. Well, I'm just going to wait until the Lord leads me and just opens the door. It's like, yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to pray for the Lord to pour out his spirit, you know. Yeah, good luck. That's 2,000 years back, man. Called it Pentecost. Yeah. You know, this access has been given. Access is here. Jacob's ladder is released. The portal's here. And now the sons and daughters have the rights to ascend and descend, to enter into what he's done and bring heaven to the earth on their own, at their own will. Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father do in heaven. Like, that's a little risky. That's a kind of strange thing to say. We've got to pray and see if it's the Father's will. It's like, hey, let there be light is always the Father's will. That's the point of Jesus walking around. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It's like, I've shown you what the essence and nature of the Father is. If it's darkness and it's bounding your people, your brothers, your sisters, which is everybody, mankind, it's like, then you let there be light. You don't have to come and ask. If it's invading you, you don't have to question, well, maybe it's God's will. He just wants to teach me a hard lesson. He wants me to learn this the hard way because, you know, his ways are not my ways. And, you know, we can, we can put garbage theology in there. But um, the reality is, it's like, no, no, no. It's, it's our job is to let the light in. Understand his heart. Who did this? It was me. Daughter. Huh. Abba. Yeah, anytime you want. I just want you to know, anytime you want, you have access. Christianity. You know who's stressed out right about now? Jarius. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you're on this, like, like, dude, can you, can you wrap this up with this lady? My daughter's about to die. Can we, 
can we get to moving now? You know? Old Jarius is stressed, probably. I would be, you know, in that, in that situation. Hmm. Your faith, your faith made you well. Like you, you access this through me. Mm-hmm. While he was still speaking to this lady. So he says this to her and apparently he's talking to her. <laughs> Some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, to, from Jairus' house. with bad news. Basically, it's too late. Jarius, Jarius, hey, don't trouble the teacher anymore. She died. She passed away. Yeah. And see, that, that morning, and I as a dad can feel it, just reading the stories, because I watch these like movies, so I'm kind of like in it while I'm there. My mind's telling me like, go to the next verse, don't stay in this, you know what I mean? But it's just like, oh, that heartache that Jarius felt instantly of just like, you know, your heart dropping. Hey, she, she didn't make it. Don't, don't bother him. It's like, but, oh, really? You know, your whole, everything starts to spin. You're about to pass out. Um, just fall off the earth. And um, you can feel that in that story. Jarius is like, it's just a crushing blow. This lady just gets a miracle. Um, you know, and, and why, why trouble? It says, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken. He said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid. Only believe. And I love that. Because that word, like she's dead, would have, would have instantly crushed to the point where I don't think I'd be able to stand. I think my body would go limp. But you see Jesus next to him, grab, like, hey, don't listen to that. Don't listen to them. Culture, y'all. It's not skinny jeans and cool haircuts and, you know what I mean, clubs. Let's, let's hang out at coffee shops all day and talk theology. It's none of these things. Um, it's not a club to keep our kids from, you know, going on drugs someday, you know what I mean, get them plugged in. You know, it's, it's none of this stuff. It's, it's, it's the culture of heaven. It's just like, hey, that circle that emanated Jesus, his reality, which was greater than this lesser reality that this lady came dive-bombed into and touched, I said dive bomb at least 20 times already. But that, that reality of that portal, that culture of heaven, what was emanating from him, even to his clothes, his physical body wasn't, you know what I mean? That reality that was there, he's grabbing a hold of Jarius, who's probably about to go limp and just completely pass out and wish he was dead from pain. Um, it's like it grabs a hold of him and says, you stay with me in this. Only believe. Yeah. Don't, don't go into this. Don't listen to the... To, to the to the forecast of this plastic, fake world. My world is more real. Stay close to me in this thing and let's walk this thing out. You know what I mean? Don't listen to them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's heat on that. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Yeah. The voice of hopelessness is a lie. The voice of hopelessness is a lie. It's from a liar. You know, we are we're not victims, and we never lose in this life when we're staying with Him, when we're walking with Him. Hopelessness, it's a delusion when we walk with Him. It says from then on. It says He permitted no one to follow Him. 
except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. So then his 12 goes to his three. And somehow this, <laughs> if I'm the disciple, let's lighten this mood up a little bit. If I'm the disciple, for me, really, because I'm in the story, but it's like if I'm the disciples, and, and he says he permits no one to follow him except for the three of them, then he comes to the house of the synagogue. It's like, dude, if you have enough power to push back these crowds that only <laughs> the five of us, the three disciples, Jesus and Jairus, these five, can actually walk to the house, like, why don't you flex that more often when they're crowding in on us, thronging us like a Michael Jackson concert? You know what I mean? Like, whoa! Somehow, the words of this man had weight to where he said, everybody, stop. I'll be back. Peter, James, John, with me. The rest of the nine, deal with the people for a little bit. Stay with them. I'm going with Jarius, and maybe, the, maybe, maybe it was five or six. Maybe the, the guy that came as the messenger. It's like, we're, we, we're going to go handle this. I know Jarius is tripping. He thinks I'm not paying attention to him because I'm doing something else. You have my, hey, trust me. Stay with me. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Don't let fear steer your life. Just stay with me in this bubble that I'm emanating, the kingdom of heaven, which is more real, this atmosphere. And let's, let's walk with this atmosphere into that house. Because what you think is final is not. It says, when he came in, there was a great, you know, the Middle Eastern, and, and it, it would be, it should be, East Texas would be saying, but it's like, this dude comes in, and there's basically people wailing and freaking out. You know what I mean? So, he's, he walks in there, and he says something that people started to mock him and ridicule him and try to throw him out. He says, why, why are you guys making this commotion? Why is this such a big deal? Really because he was trying to keep his self stealth mode. The child's not dead, but sleeping. The child's just asleep. Everybody out. Everybody, you know. Why y'all? It says, and they ridiculed him. Because sometimes the culture and the reality of heaven is foolishness in the world. We should always be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have. We think that's apologetics, but the reality is, is like, we should be, why are you so hopeful? Why are you not weeping? Why are you not freaking out? You know what I'm saying? Is, is what's happening there. They ridiculed him. But when he had them all put outside, he took the father and mother of the child and those who were with him, those the three guys, and entered into the, where the child was lying. And um, I, I love that because it's like, he like took the atmosphere of heaven and all of the atmosphere of ridicule and of unbelief, he like completely cut out of the room. Like, no. You know what I mean? And I've heard it taught like that, but also in reality, he did not want anybody to know what he was about to do. He was doing this out of love for them. He knew it would make him so famous, he would have trouble even moving around after this. He took, it says, he, he put them out of the room and he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. In the Aramaic, for some reason, it translates it and it says, it says, arise from the sleep of death. And so, uh, Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age. And they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly, I think this is interesting, that nobody should know it. And that something should be, give her some food. And that something should be given her to eat. So it's just like, I'm not doing this to be famous. I'm really trying to fly under the radar. I'm doing this because I love you guys. Don't tell anybody what happened. And when I leave... 
and they're like, oh my gosh, and you guys are freaking out and happy. They, they thought she was dead, like, and so the word will get out. Well, no, she was, they said she was, oh no, she was just sleeping, she was just sleeping, which was the sleep of death, but it was just like, let's keep the, let's keep the radar off. You know what I mean? But I love this story because Mark 5, golly, it's emotional. I feel like I just went through a, a dang emotional roller coaster. This girl comes back to life. I'm like, I'm a dad, you know what I mean? But it's like this lady with the issue of blood for 12 years comes and she touches, in, in, she, she accesses this portal of heaven, this reality. The, 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 the power which always surged around him passed through him. Then that power that atmosphere of faith, which is it, what it is, it's like, Jarius, stay with me in this. Abide in the shadow of my wing. Stay, what it means to truly abide in the Lord is stay in a position of faith and hope and do not give in to the voice of unbelief and, and disappointment and all these different things, hopelessness. Fear, don't be afraid, only believe. And, and so you have this, this girl who's, you know, obviously... 12 years old and has healed this, this lady. It's, it's no secret that, you know, has an issue of blood for 12 years. And you have these 12 disciples, the government, that which the government, the definition, that which governs the culture and establishes the apostolos, the apostolic, the apostles that, that are those who are called to go and implement the culture everywhere we go. And as Christians, we're watching this and we're realizing there's something into the reality of this life of God, into the person of who Jesus is, into what Jacob's ladder is, that we're called to walk so full of life and light, that we abide and connect in Him, that when we are out, even not at our church, when we are outside of the walls, when we're at our workplaces, when we're doing the things that we do, we're implementing and releasing heaven all around us. We're the flavor of it, man. Yeah. It says in Acts 5 that people would try to drag people into the streets that were sick and injured and needed healing just so that they would get into the shadow of Peter. That's a strange verse. And people have tried to doctor it down for years, like, well, the streets were narrow, and so the streets, you know, da 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 you know, all these things. But the reality is the shadow of Peter, like, the disciples stepped into a level of Christianity that was so very real. It was their reality that their reality started to grow around them. And people wanted to get even close to it. But true Christians that walk with the Lord, are we're called to live this way. We can pass out cards that tell people they're going to go to hell and convince them that their, their identity is a sinner and they're going to go to hell if they don't join our club. Um, or we can do what the Bible says and be real Christians and actually live so whole that our life has the outshining of God and people that interact with us, they're in a different, it's like a different climate, you know. This is different. It's not like the scribes. You know what I'm saying? Jesus talks, it's like, not like the scribes. It's like there's something real about this. There's something that he's, he has, he has the ability to implement things, you know. There's things, you've heard me say this stuff about the presence of the Lord and deliverance and things like this. Sometimes we don't know what we're carrying until we're in His presence and we feel its absence. Like the absence of fear or anxiety or pressure or something. We get into His presence and sometimes I'll feel like, oh my gosh, I'll feel its absence and the freedom that's there. And I, I didn't even realize I was walking around heavy or I was carrying a burden I wasn't supposed to carry or I was feeling pressure about the future, you know, whatever it is. And it's like you feel its absence, that's, that's Yahweh, but that's, that's home. That's home for us. And um, it's the same in our, in our county, in our climate of our region. 
you know, many times, like we just got back from, we did our little vacation trip. We did like a four days, uh, we camped at the Guadalupe River State Park. It was really kind of cool, man. We survived too. How about that? People didn't know if we we're going to make it back. Um, it was really cool, y'all. And, um, but that area is so beautiful. It's, it's there kind of like between Austin and San Antonio. And um, the foothills, little mountains everywhere and, and you know, big, big rock faces and all this cool stuff of the climate that's there. But as we were driving through there and driving around the area, because we went you know, around there some and went to Austin some, but it was like we, um, you feel the atmosphere of that area in the region. And sometimes the atmosphere in which we live, we don't realize the things that we feel here. And the atmosphere that they live in, like definitely Austin or New Braunfels or all these areas, they probably are so accustomed to their atmosphere, they don't feel some of the things that they carry there. And um, I don't say this in a critical way at all, but we're actually called to be conscious of the things of the atmosphere of our region, of the things of the atmosphere of the world. We're supposed to be so at home in the heavenly places, Ephesians 2.6, in the spirit and in the fruit of God's spirit, that anything else... It's, it's instantly counter, it's like, what is that? You know what I mean? It's contrary to the fruit of the Spirit. It's contrary to peace. And so many of the things that I felt there, the absence of, and maybe just, just visiting, I didn't, maybe don't realize or think so much of, of like some of the things that I feel here of, of like the, the, the presence of the religious system that's here and that heaviness there of that religious machine. And like even a lot of the businesses, they're kind of, they like it's kind of like it's kind of like gangs, the way the religious thing kind of feels sometimes, and and turf and territorialism and, and and like even businesses that have like slightly Christian names, but they're all ganged up together. You know what I mean? It's just kind of an East Texas kind of thing. And the class systems, I didn't realize that I feel that sense, but but when I was there, I, like, I don't feel any class system. I don't. I didn't feel like Tyler in our region, not in a critical way, but it, it has a very old feeling of different class levels and like groups and clubs and the way that's the way that mixes it had a there was a lot of minorities there kind of like the way where I'm from in Florida there was a lot of minorities there but I didn't feel the class system cap that I feel here I'm not saying we live in a racist town and this is you know I'm not I'm not again I'm not being critical but there was things that I was processing me and Nicole were talking about it's like the people feel different the, the class systems of the way money is feels different, the way people carry themselves, you know, things that, that maybe are here as far as like that are really image driven and competitive. It's like when I was there, I didn't feel, you know, I mean? I, I, or I felt a different vibe. And it wasn't I was being critical of one or the other. I was just conscious of the fact of like, oh, I can sense these things. And, um, um, you know, coming back, we, we've talked about this of, of like when when especially those who are part of our church, like when we talk about church, it's like, what is it supposed to look like? And what is it supposed to be? You know what I'm saying? And, and, and obviously as, as people who founded one and, 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 and been laboring and build one for these, these years, um, we, we think this way, but it comes down to even the, even the things that we as individuals can sense and feel in our own regions, not being critical of like, oh, I really sense this is here or I sense this vibe is here. It's like seeing something that's not of heaven with, with the hopeful mentality to implement and release that which is, is of heaven. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
Criticism just sees something as it is, and it's like, ah, garbage. You know what I mean? So I'm elevated. Do you know what I'm saying? But true spiritual discernment is actually rooted in love. You know, Philippians 1 says, you know, with love and all discernment, seeing things. And it's, and it's like being able to see even our culture in, our, in the culture of our city, because some of it's actually really good, too. But even the things that seem to divide people and cause division and cap, you know what I'm saying? But saying like, hey, that's not in heaven. And the things that we notice and sense and feel, we have the authority to implement the opposite of. Whether it's in our circles, in our, in our instance, it's the church that we've been called to start and build and everything that's going on here. But the culture of heaven is, is for one, it's so welcoming. And it's like Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love in the book of Revelation. There's, there's creativity and flavor, um, innovative ideas in businesses. And, and like, that's something I've been so happy to see, even in our church, like all the innovative ideas and so many of you that have started your own businesses and stuff and kind of stepped out of necessarily working for the man, so to speak, you know, which isn't always bad, but like to start your own things and like seeing success happen or people switching occupational shiftings into their passion what they feel like the Lord is leading them into instead of what they feel like is just going to give them the most kickback, you know what I mean? And, um, but creative ideas and, 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 and the culture of the kingdom is a culture of like wholeness. It doesn't have to project an image, right? You know what I mean? It like actually walks around understanding the belovedness of God over their life and there's, there's wholeness of family. Families that love each other, that have connection, wholeness of marriages, people that seek the kingdom first together as a team, and they're pursuing all things kingdom. This, these are some of the aspects that we're called to implement in our region that, that expose heaven to the world. Amen. It's not, let's, let's have another worship night and, and fast for a couple days and see if we can't cast down the spirit of, you know, whatever religious racism and... This Jezebel thing around here, you know, we need to cast it out, you know. It's like, no, uh, it's more becoming fully and totally who we're called to be and owning that in our own space, letting there be light, but also letting light in, continually holding each other to the standard of walking in what real wholeness looks like until we're like what they said about Peter, until we're doing things like Jesus, who's literally walking around with this surging power or this climate, this heavenly sphere that emanates from him that people could access. You know, because his reality and his belief was more real to him than this place, which is faith. Because he's walking around, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line, but his straight line happened to be on top of water. You know, which makes no sense because in, in, in our dimension, that element isn't hard enough to walk on unless it's frozen, you know. But for some reason, there must be a road or something there he was walking on in the spirit, or maybe he's just walking on water because, you know, for some reason the laws of nature did not, you know, he sat on a donkey, which is the most stubborn wild animal, can't be trained, and calmly rode into the city. You know what I mean? Like nature itself, fallen nature, became the nature of Eden around this guy because he was the tree of life in the middle of it and his fruit was there for us to access and it still is Ephesians 3 says 
to the intent now that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. There's something to the mystery of this gospel, is what it's talking about in Ephesians 3, that the church, the people of God, the embassy of heaven, is called to make known the, the wisdom of God that's been hidden from the ages to the principalities and powers. The demonic infrastructure that holds regions in class systems, in elitism, in religion, in racism, in poverty, in a big gap between the wealthy and the unwealthy, or all these different things um, that we can see in different regions, in, in witchcraft, some reasons, in, you know, in, you know, whatever, whatever the strongholds, the principality, you know, no matter what they are, the answer is the church being whole and being the real thing in that region. And it literally permeates and changes the atmosphere of the place. I don't want to tell this story. But um, one dream that I had, I can maybe delete this from the podcast, but one dream that I had several years ago concerning this place where the Lord showed me this was I have had, it's just a long story, but I've had a several a history of series of dreams where an orca, which is like a killer whale, would, would, it would rescue me or it swims to me or something like this, okay? And it's always really symbolized God himself or the movement of the Lord. And so that's strange. Um, so there's that. Part two of the strangeness is the dream that I had a few years ago is that I was at Lake Tyler, which, you know, has anybody ever drank the water from Lake Tyler? Just scooped it out? Nobody? Yeah, you wouldn't do that, would you? No. Um, you know, it's, it's beautiful, but it's, it's a man-made lake, you know? It's not fed by a river or, you know, you know, whatever. So I was there and I saw two orcas swimming in Lake Tyler right over where I was standing. And instantly I started to freak out. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're going to die. Like they're, they're these, they're, they're, they belong in the wild. Like, you know, orcas, if you know anything about them, they're the most, they're the most intelligent animals on the face of the earth other than human, you know, they're the most intelligent beings other than humans on the face of the earth. And they, they have their own language. They can communicate. They stay in their families for life. They're just, they're brilliant. They're, they're so incredible. But they kill great whites. Anyways, but they, they, they're saltwater animals, man. And so I'm at Lake Tyler and I see two that are swimming there. And I'm like, oh, I start to freak out in fear because I, I just, in my heart, I love these things. Oh my gosh, you're in the water. You can't be in Lake Tyler. That's, you're going to die within hours. You know what I'm saying? Like we got to get them transported, you know, whatever. But as I looked down closer to them, the water that was around them was, was slowly permeating into like crystal clear salt water. And they were actually filtering the water and the, the clean water was actually growing around them. And Lake Tyler's a pretty big place. There's two that connect, you know what I mean? And so it'd probably take a while, I would imagine, but, but it's like, it wasn't that they were here in the world or in Tyler and they were afraid of being contaminated by it. They were literally here to change the water from, you know, you know, fresh water, extremely dirty lake, lake water into the water of the ocean, into like beautiful, clean, clear water. And um, it was just very short. And so, uh, you know, I dreamt that and I remember waking up and this whole, you know, the language of the spirit, the language of the Lord speaking to you these things, this, this whole reality that it's like, hey, like you're actually here to change the culture of this place, you know, and that's us. 
and we don't change it by trying to fit into it, you know. I'm not, I'm not going to do the skinny jeans and try to do the outfit and, the, you know, my teeth are crooked. It's just the way it is. You know what I mean? I can't, we can't change to kind of fit into the mold of what things look like. None of us can. None of us are called to. We're called to be the express image of God, who He is shining through us in a creative way that actually doesn't fit into this culture or church culture and try, you know what I mean, in order to fit in and to, be, and to feel safe, which is really what it is. It's actually called to bring light into darkness and trump that darkness. It's called to create everywhere we see murky, dirty water to create it into fresh and clean the water of heaven, which people can drink from. You know what I mean? To change the atmosphere of where we're at. That's what Christianity is about. That's what church is about. That's what our life and our walk, and even in in church, we want to talk about building the very things that you are overcoming and that you're growing in. You're having breakthrough in, whether it's identity issues, you know what I'm saying? Like coming out of insecurities or fears or, or old religious mindsets or anger, or, you know, rage or perversion. The things that we're gaining, gaining ground in, that we're gaining wholeness in our life, projecting a false image. When, we're, when we get over those things and we take on His image, that light and that freedom is transferable. It is contagious, you know. And we have that to add to the actual house as well. You add it to your body, you add it to your church, and you add it to, to your job, and you add it to the store, and you add it to your relationships and your family and stuff. And health is actually contagious. I mean, I don't know, you know, Delta variant and all these different COVID things is supposed to be real contagious. Like, to be honest, the majority of people, the couple coughs right on cue when I said that too, that's, <laughs> that's great. But, you know what I mean? Like, the majority of our church has either had COVID or the vaccine. You know what I mean? Almost everybody I know has had one or the other. You know what I mean? So I don't even know if it's a big deal or not. But, but what we do have is this life of wholeness and health that's called to actually contaminate our physical body. Our body's called to transform by this gospel. Everything about this gospel, it's physical, it's spiritual, it's mental, it's things Anthony was saying about the mental thing, like it's called to touch every aspect of our life and to be seen out of our life. I'm not saying we all have to be bodybuilders or something. Don't get me. I'm not saying that. I'm saying health, health of relationships, of wholeness of, of, of our families, you know, all these things. That's our, that's what we're called to walk and embody. We embody them as a light, as a city that's on a hill. And that light invades the city and the region, just like Jesus's light invaded the culture, the 12 spot invaded Jairus' house, the ruler of the synagogue. I'm pretty sure he had a pretty good pass to speak there, you know, next weekend, the next Sabbath, I'd imagine. You know what I mean? Or if, if Jairus might have resigned after that, who knows? But, but um, this is who we're called to be and how we're called to walk. So, well, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word being true and the reality of heaven that you've called to invade this earth. I ask that we would come into partnership with every bit of wholeness that you've paid for, that even we would let the light in, in every place where you're standing at the door knocking, we would let the light in, and that also we would be those who let there be light in every circle of influence and every place we find ourselves in this life. Let the, let the reality of the abundance of heaven pour out of the people of this household. Amen.